Welcome to the Irish NFL show and welcome to our week seven talking points brought to you by Buskers on the Ball in Dublin's Temple Bar. Check out Buskers on the Ball on Sunday evenings where they show a selection of live games and red zone every NFL weekend. The Irish NFL show incidentally will be making a cameo appearance in Buskers this Saturday where we'll be recording some new content for the weekend so check that out too. Uh, in week seven the Eagles bounced back, the 49ers didn't. Chiefs underlined their Super Bowl credentials with a sixth straight win. The Lions took a beatdown from the Ravens. The Patriots upset the Bills. And for the very first time this season, every single one of the Irish NFL show supported teams managed to win. <laughs> Hallelujah. Aiden Steelers, Brian's Giants, Collins Broncos, and my Bears all put uh, in one way or another surprising W's in the column for themselves. So it had to happen eventually. Uh, we finally got there this weekend. Um, lots of talking points, though. Uh, we start, Brian, with the two heavyweight battles that we saw over the weekend, both with unexpected results, really, uh, depending on which way you were expecting them to to, to, to pan out going in. Um, Lions-Ravens and Eagles-Dolphins were the two blue-chip matchups we saw over the weekend. Let, let's start with Lions-Ravens, because I don't think anyone expected a beatdown of that magnitude. You know, I think a couple of us had favoured the Ravens going in. Yourself myself, obviously, were lucky enough see them in London the other week and, and get a view of them up close. We both came away impressed, but uh, I guess we had seen nothing in comparison to what Lamar and his cohorts put up at the weekend. No, it's uh, it's probably one of them. You, you have to argue it's one of Lamar's greatest performances. I was looking at the numbers today. 503 yards of total offense. He's 21 or 27 and four touchdowns. When I say four touchdowns, four out of four on the opening drives. I mean, they literally went down on this Lions team. Um, I ran an interesting one today around the Lions. They took last Wednesday off, which was an unusual. Dan Campbell decided not to do a practice session. Instead, did a walkthrough. And um, now I wonder how, you know, there was a lot of conversations last week about how the players were coming off the previous victory. I wonder were they more banged up than than we imagined going into that game because they did have quite a few injuries. We saw Gibbs come back to running back and had had a good game. It's probably one of the positives that came out of the comprehensive defeat. But... This Ravens team, I mean, I think the title of this show tonight is are the Ravens and now the main challengers winning the AFC. It's hard to argue they're not really the way Lamar's playing. It's arguably the greatest. I mean, he was near perfection. And you've got you've got the players now. We've spoken in the offseason, Alan, yourself, Connor, around, around uh, the players that he has at his disposal, you know, offensively, the wider savers. You know, we're talking about Odell Beckham there. We're talking about Zay Flowers. He's hit the ground running. Saw the first hand in London. Bateman. And the yards after catch, so like he's, and they're putting the ball down the middle of the field, which is the Mariners' greatest trend to put the ball in the middle of the field. They're actually now utilizing his best assets, and they've got players now that are stepping up as well. Because for a long time, we saw players not doing what they needed to do around the Mariners, the frustrations. But right now, it's just everything seems to be clicking. You said something when we were when we were watching the game in London. You said Lamar just looks so much more patient. He looks like he's he's patient, he's poised, and he has trust in what Todd Munkin is doing around him. Like there seems to be a meeting of the minds there, and it maybe took a little bit of time to get going. I mean, arguably, we're marking down the Ravens. They should be seven and zero. The, the games that they actually dropped were were games that they really should have won. Particularly that game against the Steelers. I mean, how they lost that one, I do not know. With with all those drops, just seemed a very strange game, but. You watch Lamar, and there was one particular play where old Lamar would have just taken off. He would have took the ball under his arm, but he, but he stayed alive as a passer and waited for something to happen. He did that kind of Mahomes thing where the longer you stay alive, the more likely it is someone's going to be wide open when everything breaks down. And he found Aguilar completely unmarked in the end zone for a touchdown. And you're seeing that time and time again. And you combine that with the fact that 
He takes that hard step and the defense immediately freezes and somebody pops open because they have to be aware of what he can do when he does decide to run. And it's not like he hasn't been running or they haven't been factoring in design runs. But Munkin has just a great line in misdirection, which every great play caller needs on both sides of the ball. You don't know who's going to pop up and how they're going to use people in interesting ways. There's a role for Patrick Ricard in that offense. He had a really nice run on what looked like a, 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 you know, it was going to be a deep play and they, they just you know, caught him with, with loads of room to run and he churns down the field and they're using Gus Edwards. You know, they don't seem to, if they had J.K. Dobbins, they'd, they'd be absolutely lethal. You know, all of these pieces in the offense, Munkin seems to be finding a way to utilize them and Lamar seems to be able to get the best out of them. Yeah, this this patience piece, I mean, you, you touched on it there, like, is our defense is aware of this now because, he, as you said, normally nine times out of ten in the past, he would just give it up and go, but he'd go on the run. And that's not the case. But yeah, he's still finding the way into the end zone. He scored the opening touchdown in the game. You two in Baltimore, you two a previous week at home. Um, like, But yeah, he's he's not going at the level of extent that we're seeing before. It's like as if Todd Munkin has created this perfect blend of offense there where we'll run him in particular plays where we think it's necessary, but ultimately we'll, we'll try to find ways of running the path. The percentages of drop passes in that game was way down compared to what we saw in that Steelers game. And ultimately, that Steelers game, you refer to there, those catches are, are caught the game as one. So, yeah, that's another piece, but just just aim with the run game as well. But, Colin, it's clearly not just on one side of the ball because, you know, the, the Ravens are harassing quarterbacks. I mean, in a league that is just right now stuffed with elite pass rushers, and we will get to Mark Miles Garrett before the end of the show. We'll have plenty to say about Miles, but the Ravens have racked up more sacks than any other defense. They're spreading it around. You know, they've got arguably the two best linebackers in the league. They're well-stocked in the secondary. And even though they're banged up, they were more than able to contain the Lions. What happened there? Uh, Mike McDonald has been absolutely fantastic. And I think this was kind of a matchup of two of the hottest coordinators, you would have to say, uh, in terms of Ben Johnson going up against McDonald. And McDonald has done a magnificent job there. And everything... They had an answer for everything the Lions um, do and everything the Lions tried to do. It was like he picked the perfect. It was as if, um, I I know there's obviously the uh, sign or signal stealing case in Michigan and Joshua Daniels uh, was doing it with my own team um, and obviously the Patriots. But it was almost like he he knew exactly what they were going to do and the looks that the Lions are giving them. they, I, I, you heard. I don't know if people might have seen that after the game. Um, one of the the Ravens players came out and said, you know, if you can rattle Goff early, he never quite looks the the same. You know, I, I think that's a bit of afterwards. You can say things like that, and there's a truism afterwards. Um, but I, I just think, um. He is going to be, and it's probably a wider piece. He will undoubtedly be in the head coach conversations, but it is kind of the year of the the defense in many ways. But I just have to to say, like on, because I uh, my computer blue screened, which is always fantastic when it does that. Um, but I, I came in at the the end, and I think things have changed a little bit for Lamar, and he isn't taking off. Well, part of that's because they have surround finally surrounded him with talent. Right? Why did it take so long for the Ravens to do that? Why did it take so long to get the, the contract done? This is not new. right? Lamar beat the brakes off of Vic Fangio a few years ago in Denver when um, Vic basically said, oh, you can't beat me with your arm. And he absolutely went out and did a number on him. 
This is what Lamar does. Lamar's on a revenge tour. Stephen Ruiz did a great piece um, earlier in the, the year where he highlighted all of Lamar's stats against the teams who had turned him down. And Dan Campbell and the Lions were one of the team who said, nah, we're not going to go for um, Lamar. And I don't understand, again, going back to it. If Even if we thought the, the Ravens were going to match it, why not make an offer? Lamar is playing at an MVP level. He is magic. He is absolutely ridiculous. And the Ravens are getting the benefit of it now, but that no one else. Are you, t- are you telling me like the Falcons were prepared to go all in on Deshaun Watson, but you weren't prepared to do it for Lamar Jackson? There are so there are some very silly decision makers around the league. Well, Con, let's, I, let's just I, remember that this is the guy that some people thought might be better playing as wide receiver when he came into the league. There's a lot of dumb GMs out there. Can I jump in there? Um, just on a point there, kind of made, why wouldn't you put the offer in now, even if the Ravens are going to match it? Because the offer in which you put in sits on your cap until the very last day of the business year, whether you are successful in the deal or not. So I'd imagine all the teams would have said, well, but make the make the Ravens step up and make it. You, you could yeah, not have true. known that they would do it. Like somebody out there, like it's insanity to me that teams who, if they had like Lamar Jackson, elevates your team so much, um, and he like okay, people might want to say again the the injury record. I really don't think it was was nearly as bad. This is a guy who's absolutely squeaky clean off the field. That no one was willing to. I think some of it, Connor, is is what you're saying. This is a guy who, unfortunately, um, the narrative still exists out there that you know he couldn't pass, he couldn't beat you in with his arm. Well, he's shown teams this year. Before we move on to the other heavyweight bout, let's just maybe look at the at the Lions briefly because I'm interested in, in what we're thinking about Detroit after this loss. I mean, you touched on it there, column where um you know that comments about. Oh, if you get to golf early, I mean, to be fair, that's probably true of most quarterbacks in the league. But it, it did show you again that nobody wants to be behind two scores playing against a defense as good as Baltimore's when they can pin their ears back. And, you know, Detroit, perhaps arguably more than a lot of other teams, they are built to front run. You know, their offense works best when they don't have to chase chase anyone down. I, I know that's, again, true of a lot of teams. But they're able to play at their own tempo. They're able to run the ball and they run the ball well. They're able to keep golf clean. Um, it's all very different, and none of that happened at the, at the weekend, Brian, and they paid the price for it. Yeah, it's it just sometimes like we have to bear in mind. Sometimes in the NFL on a Sunday, sometimes these games get away from you earlier. That game got away from me earlier. They go, you had to move very quickly away from. I imagine the game plan, which was to try have an effective run game. But when you find yourself down two scores early and you're chasing, like out of lines geared to chase, I thought to you, I thought they were a better suited team to chase games. You know, bear in mind how. Expansive their efforts can be on the golf at times. Right now, I think we just have to recognize they're going because a juggernaut that are playing at the, the peak of their powers right now, and you know, both offensively and defensively. I think I wouldn't be getting too too tuned down hearted if I was a Lions fan. I don't think they will either. I think they recognize that there's going to be games this season that they just, just it's above their weight level, and they're gradually trying to get up to that stage. But ultimately, when it comes against teams, which is why I mean, you kind of went for the Ravens, we just felt. Yeah experience and where they are at level and these type of contested games that they've been in over the years it would suit them better as opposed to the Lions but the Lions have got the Raiders on Monday it's a, it's a nice uh, well careful what you say in the NFL these days but just by what we see saw and we're going to get into looks like a nice game to get back on track 
Eagles Dolphins column, another one of those heavyweight bouts over the weekend, and um, looked on paper quite a tough assignment for the Eagles after taking their their first loss of the season. But in the end, they had two scores to spare over the Dolphins. And um, uh, obviously, not great to see Jalen Hurts getting hurt in the process. Although he toughed it out as as he will tends to do, and um, certainly a guy that uh, everybody recognises has no problem playing through pain and still able to play at an elite level. And um, they won't want to see him banged up. But on the whole they'll have really liked what they saw against Miami. You know, you put yourself up against that high-powered offense, you keep them under wraps enough, and you're able to do your own thing. Um, it couldn't have worked out better for Philadelphia, apart from that Hurts injury. Yeah, no, I mean, defensively, they were really impressive. Like, they they, they put the, the Dolphins, you know, under um, probably the, the most, like, pressure. Nothing quite worked for Tua. They basically... Um, took away a lot of his options. Tyreek Hill um, is the fastest player in the league. He's explosive. And overall, they did a pretty good job containing him in so much as, as you can. I I think, you know, this was all about the power. It was all about, like, the defensive line and the um, the uh, the offensive line, really. Um, they've already been out this week. Howie is doing deals, as Howie tends to to do. Uh, I think was it uh, Bill Barnwell uh, sent tweeted out if, if you're the if you're in Tennessee why are you even picking up the phone when you see a two one five number call you because they 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 done I mean oh, I'm not going to get called like that again <laughs> I'm not going to give you AJ Brown and ruin our entire franchise yet so you look at it and you go what what was the the area yeah a bit a bit weak at safety well we've got and we we've sorted that that out. I mean, yeah, like we we will see. I it was interesting, and this is you know two people can look at the same thing because I saw plenty of tweets said, "Oh, Jalen Hurst looked fine." To me, he definitely looked um like he was limping coming off at the end, even though he was running down the the tunnel. But the the Eagles, you know, they I think they are still going to struggle. Like when you lose somebody, I've talked about it before, the caliber of Shane Steichen, it's going to impact on your offense. Um, but we saw again the power that they have and their ability uh, as a defensive unit to contain and ruin even the high-powered offenses. I wouldn't be too down on the the Dolphins. I mean, I think you could run this game back again, and you know, like eight, maybe seven, eight times out of ten, I think the Eagles probably win. But I think there are certainly scenarios where there's no reason the Dolphins things go right early on and the Dolphins are able to to run up a few scores. What do you make of that, Brian? Because, look, it shows, I guess, the gap to the very top that the, the Dolphins have, which doesn't, to be fair, look that far. I spoke to a couple of Dolphins fans on Friday after we done our show and took time out to listen to the podcast uh, piece of it around this particular game. And they were saying, as, as well as the Dolphins have been playing, they've been masking over a concern on the offensive line. There's been injuries there. Um, a, lot, a lot of the play calling that they've installed this season, as, you, as we've seen, is to get the ball out as early as possible because they're still not convinced and they're still not comfortable with the offensive line. And that came to that came to pass, came to fruition in the game. Like the front seven, the Eagles were dominant. And maybe we were kind of misguided in our opinions and thoughts on this game because we've been speaking so early of defenses, I suppose, having the upper hand this season. That was very evident in the game. I mean, they held the Dolphins total 244 yards offense. Like, when you're doing that, bear in mind how, how 
how uh, expansive they've been in terms of numbers this season. It's it's a mean it's a stone being feet and, and then also I suppose you could argue Colin's got a fair point. Like Wattle went down again for Nars Price. I know he came back in the second half, but there was kind of a critical point in the game where he was missing for Nars Price and they were aligned and other players to make plays and even if you look at the scores in which the, the Dolphins got, I mean, they had, a, they had a pick six, you know, return for a touchdown, which kind of brought them back into the game. They didn't even put a lot of points on the board offensively. The, the Eagles just, you know, that front seven in particular. And that's, if that front seven can play like today, because that's somewhat the level they were at last year for an hour's part of the season. That's what, like, we, we speak about the, the offense, but let's, let's recognize how, how strong that defense was last year. And if you can get back to that level, put some in the right position come, come January. Oh, it's funny, I, I thought, you know, when we were picking games last week that you would see McDaniel really attack um, Philadelphia over the middle, which usually is the, is the place where Philadelphia are going to give you something. If, if, if anything, you know, slight softness maybe in that linebacker core and you can get at them. Actually, it was the opposite. It was the Eagles that did that to the Dolphins. They really got Dallas Goddard going for probably the first time this season and that seemed ultimately to be decisive. Now maybe before we move into our second segment where we're going to talk about teams and uh, spoiler alert, you, you can include one or two of our own in that who, who might just have saved their seasons with a victory over the weekend. Um, it was interesting to see that the big talking point, Brian, at the end of that uh, Browns victory in Indianapolis, of course, the pass interference goal on, on the ball that Donovan Peoples-Jones, if he had, maybe if he had a jetpack, might have had a chance of catching. But um, that ultimately gave the Browns possession at the goal line and eventually they managed to punch it in with Kareem Hunt and win the game. Big talking points on the on the refs there, but you wanted to highlight some other issues from that game, Brian. That, that you picked up. Yeah, it was it was more towards the end of the first half. We talk about, and in fairness, the head coach has done a great job there, and it doesn't look like he's going to change the nature of how he wants to do the play calling. He always wants to be aggressive. But like we talked about situational football, and with with one fifty seven to go in the first half, with the Cleveland, Cleveland that put them on their five yard line, and the Cleveland, the Browns have got two timeouts so in that position. Bear in mind they have Jonathan Taylor back and Moss. I would have thought they would have looked to run. They didn't. They went they went for the pass and the fourth down, essentially then. That was an incomplete pass. So that stops the clock. And then obviously the second one he goes again and then he ends up, you know, we end up in the end zone and a fumble and obviously recovered by Miles Garrett. And then they get the ball back. They quickly have a because obviously they, they have to kick back to the Browns because of then they sorry, actually to get the ball back because it wasn't it wasn't safe. To get the ball back immediately. And he went for the exact same style. He he looked past three times and he didn't kill enough time off the clock. I thought he would have learned from the first time around. He had to give him the ball back. They didn't drive down and get a field goal. Like there was ten points there before half time, with a little bit more kind of, uh, I suppose, you know, kind of recognizing where we are in the game rather than looking to have an expansive offense. Now, the Colts fans could challenge us and say, "Look how many points we put up over the game." That's what we want to see from our offense over the course of the season. Sometimes in certain games, when you know other coaches who have been around the corner many times, I don't think they would have went down that route. They would have recognized we're in a bit of a position here. We're playing against a team. And Miles Garner, who on his day was unbelievably blocked a field goal earlier in the game, he's just yeah. a wrecking ball. Surely you kind of recognise we're in this game with a big opportunity. And ultimately, that came that came down to cost him. And everybody's talking about the the flag. Don't get me wrong, it was, it was a ridiculous call. He's never catching that ball no matter where he is. But like those ten points are are golden in a game that's there to be won. It's just I just think they look at that and he recognised maybe during the week that if we only had to done things differently towards halftime, we may have got away with it. But look. Probably been a bit doing been doing it a bit unfair, but that's how I saw it as well. Before we move on from that game, Colin, you couldn't call yourself a football fan. We don't talk about Miles Garrett and what he did in that game. Brian touching the fact that he even managed to, to block a field goal. He he was absolutely sensational. I was watching um some clips of his his off season workout where he's doing those sixty four inch box jumps. I mean it, it is not fair. 
for a guy that size, that big and that powerful to also be as explosive and quick and skillful as he is. Like he just put on an all around defensive masterclass. It was a joy to watch. Yeah, and the Browns can be lucky that he did because I mean I, I get what Brian is saying, but like this is a this is a defense. Remember that was being talked about as generational, right? That we hadn't seen defenses like this since like the seventies, and then they go and they Gardner Minshew cutting them off, yeah, <laughs> thirty eight points on them, and like what he did was really interesting, and like it, it's fascinating, I suppose, some of the things that happen, right? Because. Um, we talked about it, touched on it last week. Jim Schwartz versus Kyle Shanahan. Jim Schwartz is about nine and one now, and like it, it's almost like Kyle refuses to back down. Like what the Browns' defense tends to do is like it's like you're not going to bully us. We're going to like get you, you know, one on one, mano a mano, and Kyle played right into that. Where Shane Steichen went away from that it was all the disguises. It was all different looks. They ensured the Browns really didn't know what they were doing. And it put the defense other than Miles Garrett in absolute fits. And Garrett is a special player. He is incredibly talented. His reading of the game, everything he does, he is truly, you know, one of the the best pass rushers in the, the game today. He's absolutely in the running for defensive player of the year. And in fairness, like when you look at it, with the even with like, so that when you look back at the evidence now, right, because people will say, you know, Patrick Mahomes went in, in that draft, but nobody could no, have known then, even if you took all the evidence, right, um, what Patrick Mahomes was going to um, become. So the Browns taking Miles Garrett, it still turned out pretty well for them because he is uh, a wrecking ball, even when the rest of the defense, he truly put the team on his back. Um, the other thing just to touch on, Connor, in relation to this is, they didn't put Deshaun Watson back in, right? Even though they said that he could have gone back in if PJ Walker. Now, again, Deshaun's not like he he started off terribly. It's just an interesting piece. I mean, again, you invest that much in him, especially guaranteed. And um, you know, if they if they had you know a, a QB who was playing you know average, then this could be a, a Browns team that are serious business, but they still have questions to me at, at QB. Connor, can I make a quick one? Sorry. No, it's, sorry, it's a quick one on that. I, I found it a bit weird and off-putting that he just didn't take the easy way out and say, yeah, he had a concussion, because he clearly does fall on the back of his head. But yeah, he came out and said he had a shoulder injury. That doesn't make any sense. He, he never hit a shoulder. And if the evidence is there, everybody can see the video footage. He clearly comes down in the back of his head. It would have been so much easier for him to say, we don't want to put him back in. I know then obviously he has to go into concussion protocol, but he could have said something else. He just said, rather than saying it's a shoulder and he can go back in again, just cause another storyline that they probably don't need. And, you know, they've got a tough game this weekend and they're, say, they're suggesting he's going to play again. I agree with Conor, it's something's a bit off. So it sounds a bit like Poirier's remorse there. And well, they can't, they can't obviously wrangle their way out of this contract, but like something, something clearly is, is evidence is from the evidence. It's not right. 